0: It's so true, we all have our preconceived ideas of the way we think God is going to move and what he ought to do in our eyes. But God has his ways and they're higher than our ways. And wouldn't it be like him to show up in a way different than we thought? So that means even in this moment right now, in however and in whatever is going on in your life, You have to allow for the space that God is doing something different than you thought, and it's better than what you thought. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we rest in that truth this morning that you are good, you are just, and you are true. And your ways are higher and better than our ways. So we, as the created, bow before the creator this morning to say, God, we choose what you say you are doing over what we say you ought to do. And we will leave room for you to show us something different than we thought. And something better, we come humbly now to hear from you, and pray in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. That was such a great song, Amen. It's beautiful, and uh, it'll it'll come to play as we move forward into our December series called Unexpected Jesus. Jesus shows up in the unexpected places of our life, unexpected ways. But today. We're actually beginning a brand new series here at Vertical. I'm excited for that. So this one, of course, as we approach Thanksgiving, holidays, and this season, it's important for us to think about thanks. You've already heard that this morning. And it plays such an important role into who we are as followers of Jesus. Um, the Psalms say to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And so throughout Scripture, you find this imagery of movement, but movement through doors, where you leave one space and you go into another. Now, this is fascinating to me because I have a past in design and architecture, and so the idea of having a space and moving from that space to another space, to go from one room to another room is important. It means I was in this space, I was in the living room, and now I'm, in the kitchen, now I'm in the dining room, now I'm in the hallway, now I'm in the bedroom. All of those are separated by walls and doorways to help us know, I left a space, I'm in a new space. Now that may not mean anything to you because you do it every day all day long and you're not an architect, all that stuff. But here's the deal, for us as followers of Jesus, He intends to move us from the space we've lived in of guilt and shame and anger and fear to move us into a space of where he says, I am the door. Come into me. All who enter into me will find life. And we move into a new space. And here in this new space, I don't live in the old space of guilt and shame and condemnation and rejection. I live in a new space where I am loved, forgiven, and accepted in Jesus Christ. Amen? And then we are called to continue to keep walking into other doors as we grow in our faith. You weren't intended in your faith to keep living in the same room, praise God. You move on into new rooms that have new truths, new glories, new grandeur of all that Jesus is to you. Amen? And what he has for us. The scripture uses this imagery over and over again. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Matthew 7. Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. So God uses this imagery of a door and he calls us to leave the room we're in and to move into greater rooms of faith in walking with him. Now, as Lisa pointed out, we're invited to do this through one thing as the key. What is it that opens the door from one room to the next? How do you get from the space you're in right now into the next space that God has for you? It is through the power of being thankful. Now that can be hard sometimes because the situations in life are painful. It's easy to be thankful when things are going your way. It's easy to be thankful when you've had a great year. But you take a year or take a month or take a week or take a yesterday when all of a sudden things did not go like you planned. There was heartache, there was loss, there was tension, there was conflict, there was a bill you didn't expect. It's hard to be thankful in those moments. So today we're going to see the power of being thankful in all things in our mini-series this month called... Think about it, yeah? Now, this is going to sound just regular Texan for us. Think about it a little bit. You know, it just it just feels right, but it's a little twist. Um, think about it, but we're going to think about it. And we're going to see how we move forward into the new rooms that God has for us so we don't live in the same old place we've always lived in your faith. And here's what we're going to do. For the next three weeks, we're going to look at a small segment of a story from the Old Testament. We're going to follow one man and his story and what happens in his life. The man's name is Jacob. We're going to look at just a piece out of his life. In fact, just an actual moment. We're going to slow a moment down to three weeks here and look at it and see what happens when Jacob becomes a man who is thankful, even though at one point he has believed the lie that says Jacob, you're just a victim of your circumstances. You've had a lot of terrible things happen to you. And Jacob believes that lie. And as a result, he becomes angry, bitter, jealous, and unsettled in his life. And when you are angry, bitter, jealous, and unsettled, you stop seeing God present around you. When you develop The victim mentality that says, I'm the victim of everybody else's problems, they are keeping me down, then you become a victim who stops seeing God in your life. That's what's happening in our nation, in our world today. The spirit, I'm going to go ahead and say it this morning, it is an evil, demonic spirit A spirit of being a victim, playing the victim that is evil and demonic. And if you listen to it, it will wreck your life. It will wreck your marriage. It will wreck your family. It will wreck a community. It will wreck a church. It is wrecking our nation today. The minute you look and say, I am a victim and everybody else is causing the problems in my life. You got a train wreck coming. And this is what happens for Jacob. Our story today begins in Genesis 28. And our message is titled today God, I Had No Idea. Now, let me set this up here because Jacob has a father. His name is Isaac. And Isaac has a father who is Abraham. So it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the family. Abraham has received a promise, a covenant promise from God, that he will bless him and make his name great. And he, his, his seed will fill the nations and they will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand by the sea. That is a lot of people. And it's a blessing. He says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing to others. He's referring to the nation of Israel. And so he gives this promise to Abraham. And then Abraham has a son named Isaac. And Isaac walks in this. Abraham has to offer up Isaac, his own son, to God to say, God, I trust you that you will bring this to pass. And God gives him his son back to him and blesses him. And then Isaac has children. And Isaac has twin boys. He has Jacob, and he has Esau. Now here's the deal. They're twins, and Esau is born minutes before Jacob is. May not seem significant to us, but it's super significant in the story. Because whoever was born first would receive the firstborn birthright. Now that's a big deal in a Jewish family because if you were the firstborn, then you had some privileges and responsibility that made you different than the others who would be born after him. So the firstborn was given this headship status. The firstborn would receive the father's inheritance. The firstborn was given a double portion of the inheritance that was due. And it wasn't because they were, had done anything special, it was because they were the firstborn. Now, it did not make them better than the others, it just meant they had a responsibility that was different than the others. And Esau is born first, and he has this responsibility. Now, the responsibility of this firstborn is to then be a blessing to others, to other siblings who follow or to family that follow. So here, Esau receives this, and Jacob is born second. And Jacob doesn't like the fact that he was born second, even if it is just by minutes. Have you ever had some sibling rivalry in your family? I don't know anything about that because I grew up an only child. Yes, I was spoiled. So I don't know about firstborn, secondborn, second born, and all that kind of stuff in a family experientially. Then I had five kids and I saw it. So I get it. And now with grandkids, I see it even more. So here is Esau with this firstborn birthright and blessing. Here is Jacob, who is going to believe the lie, watch this, that somehow because he's not him, that he is less. That he is unfortunate. That he has been mistreated. That he deserved that. That it's not... Fair. Guess what Jacob is believing? I am the victim here. And it's about to throw Jacob into a spin because he's going to believe the lie that for some reason he is inadequate. Now, here's what happens is that Jacob is so convinced of this and so angered by it that he begins to talk to his mother, Not when he's 10, not when he's 20, not when he's 30, but even to the point when Jacob is in his 70s and his dad is about to die and it's almost time to pass on the inheritance that Jacob talks to his mom and says, you know, it's really not fair that I'm not the firstborn. I mean, Esau... He doesn't even care about his birthright. In fact, I already told him that I would trade his birthright for a bowl of beans. And he said, so? I'll take it. And Jacob, in his bitterness, convinces his mom that he is right. And they hatch a plan to trick the dad to give the inheritance to Jacob instead of Esau. I mean to the point that the dad is blind and old and about to die. And they dress... Jacob to be like Esau, and they go in, and Jacob says, Hello, dad, it's me, Esau. And he tricks him, him and the mom. This is how devastating jealousy can be it'll make you turn other people against the ones you're jealous about. He turns his mom against her own husband, and they deceive dad, and Jacob gets the firstborn birthright esau finds out about it he is livid, angry this is family chaos in the bible hello can anybody relate to family dynamics and tension and conflict hello it happens here it is right in the scripture and it causes such conflict that esau says jacob if it's the last thing i do i'll kill you for what you did to me and jacob's mom says jacob You better get out of here. Esau is going to kill you. Run to your uncle's house, my brother, and live there until I call for you. Weird family dynamics, tension and conflict, even in people who believe in God. Can you believe that? Christians having family tension problems? Hello? Anybody relate? It happens. So this is where our story begins today in verse 10 of Genesis 28. In the midst of conflict, in the midst of tension, in the midst of jealousy and anger and resentment and I'll kill you and a family split, this is where our story begins because Jacob has to leave. It says in verse 10, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. Now this just seems like a simple geographic uh, Google Maps trip. But what happens here is something significantly profound. Jacob is leaving Beersheba. Beersheba, if you looked throughout the scripture, would be a place where two other times something significant happened. There was on one occasion his grandfather Abraham was at Beersheba. He had been in conflict with another person and they met at Beersheba over this well that was there and they resolved the conflict that they had with this other man named Abimelech, and they resolved the conflict and made a covenant with one another that they would live at peace. They made the covenant before God. Now what's fascinating is you, you fast forward in scripture a little bit, the same thing happens to Abraham's son Isaac. He shows up at this well also, and he also makes a covenant with Abimelech, a covenant of peace. And so this place, Beersheba, is actually, the name means the well of oath or the place of covenant that they make with one another. It's a place that was recognized and known as the place where they reconciled and had peace with one another and peace with God. So when it says that Jacob went out from that place, he did leave. But what's also happening is Jacob is leaving reconciliation and a covenant with his own brother, and God and his mother and his dad. He's leaving, perhaps not going to see his dad again, perhaps not see his mother again. And Jacob leaves. And what's interesting is as he heads toward Haran, the word Haran means dry. Dry, barren land. When you leave what God has established, when you leave opportunity to reconcile, when you leave what God has called you to, it'll put you in a dry and barren place. So Jacob heads there. It's where his uncle lives. And it says, verse 11, so he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. So he's on his journey, and on the way, he gets tired. It's been a long day. It's been a long couple of days. There's all kind of things going on in his mind. And it says in the second part of 11, and he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. He didn't find Holiday Inn. He didn't find any kind of luxurious hotel or space or room or accommodation. Jacob finally just says, this spot will do. And he lies down on the ground, filled with exhaustion, physical exhaustion from traveling, emotional exhaustion from all that's happened, spiritual exhaustion, there's no shelter, there's no comfort, and he grabs a rock and says, this will be my pillow tonight. I don't know about you, but I'm picky about my pillows. Hello? I like a good, soft pillow. I want to put my head in a pillow and it go down and it kind of you know, go up around me. I want to feel like that pillow is hugging me a little bit when I go to bed at night. In fact, I'm a four-pillow sleeper guy. I got two under my head. I got a long one between my knees. And I got another one that's real squishy that I just hold like this. Heather's right close to me, though. So... <laughs> See, but every night, that's my, that's my plan. That's my pattern. So I'm big on pillows. I cannot imagine my pillow being a rock. I've tried a lot of pillows. I've gone to the store and bought pillows, thinking, is this the best pillow, these two that I've got right here that are nice and hug me when I go to sleep at night? I've tried them. I've tried all the different ones that are out there. I don't like any of them. I especially don't like the ones that are hard, that are like a rock. But here's Jacob choosing a rock for a pillow at night. That's crazy. But I think it's a powerful picture of what happens when you let anger and jealousy and bitterness and resentment well up inside you and take over you. It will make your lying down at night feel like you're lying on a rock because you can't sleep. Your mind is racing. You're replaying what's been done to you. You're replaying what everybody said to you. You're replaying what ought not to have been said to you, and you can't sleep, and your bed and your pillow become like a rock. That's why I said the spirit of victim, jealousy, anger, and inadequacy is demonic. It's not just an emotion. It's a demonic spirit that wants to rob you and I from the blessing that we have in Jesus Christ. So here he is putting his head on us, a rock. He's consumed with all that's happened to him. I'm sure he's thinking through all of the scenario him and his mom tricking his dad, Esau's response, the angry things that were said, the things he wished he would have said. Maybe he's still angry. Maybe he's still bitter. Maybe he's got some guilt in this moment because he doesn't know will I see mom again? Will I see dad again? I hope I don't see my brother again. What is this going to mean for the future? And he's got his head on a rock for a pillow. And this is what the Spirit will do to you. Now, he goes to sleep. Verse 12 says, then he dreamed. It's fascinating. Here in this moment, he is exhausted. But here in this moment, God is about to meet him in this moment. He has been angry at his life, angry at the fact that God did not give him This firstborn right, that God did not give him the blessing, and God is about to speak to him in a dream. Now, let me be clear here. In the Old Testament, we find people who have dreams and God speaks through them. Listen to me. In the New Testament, it tells us in Hebrews chapter 1, God, who at various times and in various ways in the past spoke through prophets in these last days has spoken to us through his son, Jesus. You and I are gonna have dreams, but I praise God that the dreams I have every night, I don't have to try to interpret and see where God is in it. I can open up God's word and know exactly what he is saying to me. I'm not saying God might not show you something in a dream, but look here. Always take what the Bible says over what your dream says. If your dream somehow lines up with what the Bible says, then believe what the Bible says. Don't ever believe your dream, because it happened to you. God has already told us that he will speak to us through his word and by his spirit. Now, Joseph is going to have a dream. He dreams here in this moment. It's interesting to me that up to this time, Jacob hasn't heard God speak, but here he's going to close his eyes and then he's going to hear God speak. Sometimes you and I have to close our eyes to what's going on around us so that we can hear what God is saying to us. Because you get caught up in what's happening around you, what that person said to you, what that person did to you, and you get all caught up in it. And what you need to do is close your eyes to what's going on around you and open your heart to the one who's above you and hear what he has to say to you. That's important. He dreamed. And then the Bible tells us what he dreamed. He says, And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. That's a long ladder. And there were angels of God and they were ascending and descending on it. He looks in his dream and there's a ladder that's going from earth to heaven. And there's angels going down and up, back and forth on this ladder. Fascinating. God is showing Jacob something significant. Anytime some angels are seen, it is God pulling back the curtain and saying, I want you to see what's really happening right around you. Did you know right now in this room, there are angels present? They are. They are here. You and I can't see them with our natural eyes. But according to the Bible, there is a realm that exists that you and I cannot see. And there is a realm of activity happening right now in this room, a spiritual activity of angels ascending and descending right here in this space. What are they doing? One of the things that they're doing is engaging in warfare. They are in battle for you and for me so that we will hear spiritual truth this morning so their eyes will be open. it's true not just for the person next to you but for you for each of us right now god has something to say to each of us and those angels are present to fight back forces of evil so that we might hear and not keep believing the lies that are present around us as well and so when he shows them that he's saying oh jacob There's a whole host of spiritual activity happening in this place right around you. It's right here, Jacob. It's not out there. It's not later. It's not just in the past. It's right now. I have something to say to you. And I have angels doing their work for me right now. And they are up and down this ladder. It's important because Jacob needs to believe the truth. Jacob needs to remember the family he's come from. Jacob needs to remember the blessings that are on him. Because let me tell you what has not happened in Jacob's life yet. Even though he is most likely about 75, 77 years old in this story right here, in this moment. Here is what has not happened yet. Jacob has not yet met the woman who will be his wife. Jacob has not yet had any children Jacob has not yet had Joseph. Jacob has not yet wrestled with the angel of God. Jacob has not yet had his name changed to Israel. All that is yet to happen, and it has to happen because Jacob needs to believe this truth right now. And what happens in this next moment will determine whether all of that's going to happen or not. In your life, there are things that have yet to happen. There are things that God has planned. There are things that God wants to do. And it all hinges on you and I believing the truth about God's activity in our life. This is a critical moment for Jacob. This is a critical moment for you and I. This is why you and I have to think about it. Now, it goes on in verse 13 and it says, and behold the Lord... Stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. This was God reminding Jacob, Jacob, I'm the same God who was there for your father and your grandfather. I am the same God who gave the promise. I'm the same God who made a covenant. I'm the same God who said, What I do, I will complete. I'm the same God who said, I would make your descendants great. I would bless you and you would be a blessing. You see, Jacob had forgotten all of that. Jacob had been caught up in, Well, I didn't get what my brothers got. That's not fair. If the enemy can get you to whining and complaining and looking at what everybody else has that you don't have and to make you think you're the victim, then he will keep you from understanding the blessings that you have. He'll blind you to all of it. And that's why God had to speak to Jacob when he closed his eyes. Because Jacob was all caught up in what everybody else was doing wrong. And he was missing God had for him. He had to wait until Jacob would close his eyes and sleep. It says in the second part of 13 that God said to him, the land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. We know from the later part of the story geographically exactly where this is happening. What's fascinating, it is in the heart of Israel in fact it's just north of Jerusalem that this is happening and here is Jacob he picks out a patch of land he pulls up a rock and he goes to sleep on it full of complaining bitterness jealousy anger and God says to Jacob in his sleep Jacob you know where you're sleeping right now is the exact land that belongs to you and to your descendants. You are lying right in the midst of it. You might have thought it was for somebody else. You might have thought you were far from it. It's actually right here. You're in it right now. You are asleep in it right now. You are in the promised place of God. What that says to me, and for each of us I think this morning is, you might think promises are later, somewhere else, for somebody else. But if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, he is at work in you, his promises are true to you, and the place that he wants to show you those is exactly where you are now. It's sad. Some people say, well, I didn't have that good a week. I don't think I'm going to go to church. Really? So you had a bad day, And you want to stay away from the God who can give you hope about your tomorrow. Hmm, How's that working for you? I get it. I sometimes, you know, I can get that way. I don't feel emotionally engaged like I would want. But I operate by faith. I say, God, I've got to get to your house To where your people are, where the worship is, where the word is because I need some hope and encouragement that's bigger than what I'm living in in the moment. Amen? Jacob, you are in the exact spot that I want to bless you. Child of God, you are in the exact spot right now that God wants to speak to you and bless you and call you into a new room in your life. Think about it. Amen? Verse 14, God continues to speak, and he says, Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east and to the north and the south. Jacob, I'm not through with you. Jacob, you're part of the covenant. Jacob, you're part of my promise. Jacob, I'm not through with you yet. And he says in verse 14, the second part, and in you, and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Jacob wasn't even married. Jacob didn't have any kids at this point. And God says, I'm going to bless you and your descendants after you. You don't know it now. You can't see it now. But I will do what I have promised to do. This is Jacob's moment. God says, Jacob, the fact that you even exist is part of the promise I've made. You're here because of a promise I've made to your grandfather and to your father and to you. And I know you might look at your life, Jacob, and you might think, I don't even know a woman right now. How in the world? I don't even see how that could come to pass. Listen here. Just because you have some not yet in your life just because you have some, I haven't seen it happen yet in your life is not a reason to discount and deny God. In fact, your not yet is his I'm not yet done with you. Amen. Whatever you think is I'm not yet yet. I don't have blank yet. I haven't seen God do blank yet. Okay. That's just a setup for God to work in your life because he's not done yet. If you're here and you're alive and your heart is beating, he's not done with you yet. He's got more for you. If his spirit is in you, he's not done with you yet. If the word of God is alive and sure, he's not done with you yet. If Jesus is real and Lord of our lives, he's not done yet. Amen? Don't let your not yet be the reason that you don't believe. And then he goes on in verse 15. He says, Behold, look, Jacob, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. Jacob, you don't have to fear that I have left you, forgotten about you, have lesser for you. You don't have to fear that I'm gonna turn away from you. Jacob, I will be with you. I will keep you. I will hold you. And even when you are far from this land, I'll bring you back to this land because this is the land I have for you. In verse 15, the second part, he says, for I will not leave you until I have done what I've spoken to you. Woo, what a powerful promise. One that you and I can claim because Jesus said the same thing. He said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you. So whatever you're walking through, whatever you're in the midst of, whatever makes you say it's not fair, not right, makes you feel inadequate, insecure, uncertain, Those are lies from the enemy to make you not believe that God is with you, for you, will keep you, will bless you, will work in your life to move you forward. And this is the last thing that God will say to him in this dream. This is the end of the dream. And now comes the moment. Will Jacob believe all of this? Will Jacob wake up and say, that was weird. Or will Jacob wake up and realize and truly think about it? So here's what the Bible says in verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep. The dream ended and now it's time to wake up. And here's what it says in 16, the second part. And Jacob said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. He showed up in a way different than he thought, but better. He showed up in an unexpected way in Jacob's life. And Jacob said, he was right here. He never left me. He never turned away from me. He didn't forsake me. He was right here all along and I didn't know it. When you don't know it, is when you're most vulnerable to the lie of the enemy. When you don't know that God is with you, for you, blessing you, working in your life, is when you will be tempted to be jealous and angry and envy and to think I'm inadequate and I need what someone else has. If I just had what they had, I would be better. And God says, oh, you have forgotten just how much I love you. You've forgotten just how much I have for you. You've forgotten how faithful I am to my children. And Jacob says, surely the Lord is in this place. Wouldn't it be amazing if you and I woke up spiritually this morning and said, God, I didn't realize that you were that close, that present, that powerful, to use even the pain I'm in right now To be the place where you show up. To be the place where you show me how much you love me. Wouldn't it be great to think about that? That is how you move into the next room in your faith. Where you say, God, I had no idea. I had no idea that you were that good, that present, that powerful, and at work in my life. Amen? No one in this room wants to keep a victim mentality. We all as followers of Jesus want to have the victor mentality. I am more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. I will see his promises true for me and my family. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you that your purposes and your promises are true. And just as they were true for Jacob, they are true for us. Because of Jesus. And everything that you've promised to Jesus, you've promised to us. So I thank you that we are loved. We are accepted. We are seated with you. We are shaped to be like you that you are using every circumstance to draw us to your side to draw us to your heart to conform us to your image and so we thank you for that today help us not stay in the room that we've been in but to move forward to the next place you have by thankfulness help us to enter in with thanksgiving and enter in with praise to move forward and thank you in spite of whatever is happening so we might resist the enemy's voice that tells us we're less that tells us we're victims that tells us we'll never accomplish that tells us we could never be a victor. God, we reject all of that today. We thank you for Jesus in our life and who we are in him. God, fill this room with your presence now. By your spirit, we are grateful and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I want to invite the Stapletons up because Maddie is going to be baptized this morning. Yeah. Micah Staples, our children's director, and I met with the family a couple weeks back, and we talked, and Maddie has put her faith in Jesus Christ and wants to make a public statement here to say she is identifying with Jesus. She wants to follow Jesus with her life, and Jesus is in her and with her. Yeah? Yeah, that's good. All right, Amanda? just
1: wanted to say a few things, um, and I'm nervous, so I have to read it. It's okay. (laughs) Um, Maddie. I'm excited to be here with you on a day like this. I know that you've been waiting a long time for this baptism. We've talked about it off and on. Um, but I know that a lot of parents in this room can understand that struggle that we, we, the, like, we try to carry the weight of it. You know, we go through all the questions. Is she ready? What's the right age? Does she know what this means? And, and the Lord just had to lay on my heart that I can trust him. And I can trust that He's working in your heart. And I can trust that you know He's working in your heart and you can feel all of that. And so as as your parent, I don't want to hinder that and I don't want to be in the way of that. And I support you. And so um, we talked about baptism and what it means. And we talked about being a Christian and what it means. And and we talked about how You being up here and you getting baptized is you showing your allegiance to the Lord. That when a choice is to be made, you're on God's team and that you are siding with the Lord. So you've made it clear that the Lord is calling you to be baptized. And so we're gonna celebrate your obedience to Him. Yeah. We love you. Yeah. And we welcome you to to the family.
0: Amen. Amen. That's beautiful. And Maddie, let's step on in here. The water is pictured to us of, let's turn around the other way, face this way. Let's face mom and dad. Let's keep going. There we go. Yeah. Baptism is a picture that Jesus gave us to show us his death and resurrection. But to show us death and resurrection for ourselves, we come to the end of living for ourselves and we come to a resurrection of living for Him. And that's what happens to every Jesus follower who's baptized, and that's what's happening for Maddie today. So Maddie, I'm excited that Jesus lives in your heart, that you want to follow Him with your life, and you're being brought up in a home that loves the Lord as well. So Maddie, I'm excited to baptize you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen, Amen. you are baptized and raised to walk in newness of life, yeah. That is awesome. That's beautiful. Hey, while you're standing this morning, I want to close by recognizing those in our service today who are veterans. I know the last thing you want to do is be publicly recognized for an accomplishment you did, but it's important in a space like this for us to do that so let me ask this if you're a veteran would you remain standing and everyone else be seated let's give these a hand Amen. thank you for your service thank you for what you've done You are a rare breed in our nation. People who will give up their time, their energy, and risk their lives so that we might live free. So thank you for your service. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these who have chosen to give up so much so that we might be free. I thank you that that's the very essence of what your son Jesus did for us so I thank you for these and I ask you to bless them bless them with time with love from family and reminders of your blessing on their life for their sacrifice for us thank you father for speaking to us today for calling us into the next room we'll do so by faith we will thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're dismissed here at Vertical by me saying lift him up, and you say live him out. Let's do this. Lift him up and. <laughs>